If you're studying for the CISSP, CCSP, or CISM certification, you'll probably get a lot of benefit from the WANA Practice app at wanapractice.com. Hundreds of practice questions unavailable anywhere else, all in a simple interactive format, which you can access through any device with a browser. Check out the show notes for a discount code for half off the regular price. Wanna practice? Success and certification is in your hands. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the sensuous sounds of infosec where we discuss all things information all things security and all things information security i'm ben maliso <laughs> and i'm rafael fiedler and uh this week rafti it's just me and you we are we are forcing people off the show left and right where they are <laughs> dropping like flies you know first we got rid of robin then then we were able to scare Joey away and now finally Matt has left and it's just it's down to the good stuff just me and you <laughs> I, I guess Matt is is coming back I hope it yeah, is. oh yeah oh, damn it that's true <laughs> yeah he just he just had a work thing come up this week but he will unfortunately be back later for other episodes we just can't get rid of him he's he's like a like a bad habit or a venereal disease he just we can't we can't seem to get rid of him um uh, but that's okay i i think i think we can manage this week just the two of us um let's do some current events stuff um uh first let's be a little uh self-introspective here rafti do you use spotify at all no <laughs> okay okay not that uh, i have something against it i i used to use it back in the day i think they even allowed buying music back in the day if i recall correctly but yeah has been years. Okay, um, I I use it. That's that's like uh, one of the main uh, platforms I use for both my music and my podcast listening, and it's okay. where I listen to this show. Oddly enough, um, okay. and How and I don't know if you're familiar with this, but but Spotify has a uh, function. At the end of the year, they do a wrap up. They do a wrap. Yeah. Where where they show you what you have been listening to, what your trends of, you know, and, and to some people it's kind of humiliating at the end of the year, they see that they've been listening to some really pop crap, you know, as opposed to, you know, something substantial. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm so knowing what you're talking about and I have to add something later to that as well. Please, please, please go continue. ahead, no. Yeah, Okay, no, no, no. I, I just made the mistake this um, last week um, I use Apple Music and YouTube Music because I don't want to see ads on YouTube and I want my creators to get paid. That's the reason why I'm paying for um, YouTube Premium. So I sometimes use YouTube Music and I had it open and it suggested to me top 100 songs for Austria. And then I, I don't know what drove me, but I clicked on it and it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> But uh, the what's first the, what's the number one song, Rafti? The first song I got was um, it was actually funny, you know. Um, it the the band is called AUT, so out spelled it like pronounced in German, right. off right. order, out of order, and it uh, is <laughs> and their song is That's cute. about I like that. how Austrians are not normal and stuff, and um, it's it is funny. It's a it's a little bit rocky, but with a three fourth tack thing magic like the waltz you know waltz is, is, it, is it one in two german? three one two three yes it's in german do they have an english version of it i don't think so no all right so they're <laughs> mocking they're mocking their own 
people. That's really they cute. Do. I like that. And I like that <laughs> Austrians and Austrians made that number one. Yeah. I don't that's know why cool. on YouTube music, you have, you have to understand that's YouTube. I don't know anybody who actually legitimately uses that. Okay. Okay. It's my web-based music player. If I'm okay. somewhere, I don't have access to my apps like Apple music. I typically use that. <laughs> well, well, here's what I didn't know. Yeah. Spotify does a wrapped for podcasters. So as a content provider, it shows us kind of a summary of what our listeners have been doing. Our three listeners. Our three listeners. Which you're one of because you listen to the I, show. I taint on it. Yeah, I, I, oh. exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I am, I'm 33% of our listening community. Rafti, would you like to guess which episode from this past year was our most listened to show? I would say, like, just from the from the title, I guess the Pornhub one. Bang! Nailed it. Didn't that? Did, you didn't even hesitate with that. Of one. course not. It's Pornhub. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to guess how? What percentage that was listened to compared to our other average shows? I don't know. Triple. It was. It was, it was almost double. It was one hundred eighty-three percent more okay. listened to than our average show. So uh, that was a big draw. <laughs> Evidently, we got to have those guys back on our show again. That was uh, that was that was pretty cool. Um, okay, Rafti, just for giggles, just for giggles, uh, do you want to guess whether we increased or decreased listenership this year? <laughs> we lost Joey. I don't know. Is this a net <laughs> improvement or a net loss? I'd say, for Joey's sake, I hope we lost some people. But <laughs> we we gained pretty well. It was a pretty healthy increase. So um, cool. Yeah, yeah, and um, a lot more followers, and uh, our our month to month has been increasing. Um, do you want to guess which percentage of our listenership? is male versus female 98 uh percent male and two percent female i like how you have faith in us it's 100 percent male <laughs> wait what <laughs> and even with the porn up stuff that even has with, almost double yep, no yep. no girl came on and listened to none, that one oh, or gosh. at least at least none that have declared themselves female to spotify so you oh. know spotify doesn't really know you have to share your demographic information with spotify but uh, that's sad. We need we need more, we need more female listeners. At least one to skew twenty five percent. You know that'd be great. But maybe they don't. Maybe they don't listen to us on Spotify. Maybe they yes. see yes, my wife, correct. for instance. Um, strictly is an Apple Podcasts kind of person. She does not want to listen to podcasts anywhere else. I am on Pocket Cast. I like it because it's multi platform. Um, but I used to use um. What's it called again? Uh, the other iOS one that people tend to like. iTunes or whatever? No, no. That's what my wife is using. But oh, okay. um, it had auto trimming of silences. I don't listen to podcasts on regular speed. I typically speed them up. And especially with when you trim out the silences, like when we think or when we wait on the other person, that is so like unnecessary. And so I, I reduce that. So does, does your wife listen to this podcast? I don't actually know. Damn it, Rafti! You could increase our listenership by by twenty five percent. Just get her get her <laughs> on there. I right, maybe well, she does. 
I, she's I, not I found, that much I found all of that fascinating, to be honest. Yeah. With you. And, it's, and it's interesting what you can aggregate from data, you know, as we know, that's what InfoSec's all about. Just what I wanted to say was um, Jellyfin, of course, last um, last episode, I think she said that two, two she, episodes back, two episodes back. OK, but she said that she listened to the show as well. So um, apparently not a Spotify, not not sure if we detox her now, but <laughs> I think um, she, she, of course, can be on Spotify then. Yeah, it's possible to, yeah. to yeah. podcast. Right. Spotify. right. Uh, unless she anonymized her gender like she anonymized her name. That's true. Yeah. And I would yeah. absolutely consider that. Yes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, all right. Uh, a few other things I wanted to talk about. Um, I'm going to bring more personal reflection into this realm this week. I have been getting a bunch of uh, data breach notifications. Uh, in the U.S., many of our laws require that these be mailed to you in hard copy. Oh, um, which I, I think it kind of makes sense, even though it's archaic. If you get an email from somebody that says data breach, you, you can't trust email. You just don't know if that's a spammer or a scammer or whatever the hell it is. So you get this thing in the mail and it's a two page disclosure and it goes into a lot of detail and all of it's pro forma that's been written by lawyers and they hashed over it. And it, it says really effectively nothing. Um, and then usually it says at the end, if you want free credit monitoring, you know, go to this thing or call this number, whatever the fuck, right? Here's my problem with these data breach notification notices. I don't recognize any of the vendors <laughs> at all. <laughs> what I wanted to say is, wait, if everybody is giving you free credit monitoring, don't you have free credit monitoring for life now? For but life. I see. Yeah. <laughs> but but honestly, I don't one of the first of all, the last thing I need in the world is credit monitoring. You know, when when you have no credit, there's no reason to monitor. I'm hoping, I'm hoping attackers will take over my accounts because they'll get stuck with all my debt. That's perfect. Take that shit. Good for you, attackers. Um, but the second thing is, the reason I don't recognize the notifications vendors is because they're all business associates of medical providers that I've seen. According to HIPAA, our big medical privacy law, it, uh, the only people who have to follow HIPAA are medical providers themselves, so doctors and hospitals and clinics, and their business associates. So anybody who contracts with a hospital to do, for instance, billing or marketing or whatever, they also have to subscribe to HIPAA because they may come in contact with patient data. Well, it's these companies that I'm getting the notifications from. And I don't know who the fuck they are, and I don't even know what medical provider they're associated with because they don't have to state that in the notice. So you don't know what kind of information they might have? Correct. Well, I know it's got to be some medical information, but I don't know which doctor I saw for which thing, you know? Yeah. You know, was it my knee? Was it my brain? Was it my hair? I don't know. I have no idea, right? Um, hair doctor. I find that fascinating. I find, I, again, this is another one of those, they're all following the law. They are definitely following the law. And I know it's expensive for them to generate and send all these notices. It's not, it's not an inconsiderable amount. But the efficacy of the notice, the purpose of what it was supposed to do, which is alert me and give me caution and keep me informed, it fails miserably on its face because... I, it's not actionable information for me. There's nothing I can do with that information, right? So you say it's as good as an email, but it costs more. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it's a punitive measure. You know, the, again, the, the process is the punishment. They're harming the vendor, you know, but that doesn't serve my purpose as supposedly the damaged victim, you know? What postal service do they use? Do they at least support a good one? The U.S. Postal Service, because it's the cheapest. Okay. Is that good? Do we want the Postal Service to have more work? I don't know. No, no, because me, as an American taxpayer, I subsidize the Postal <laughs> Service. So, but in see, fact, it's costing me more money to notify me with information I don't use or can't use. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, this is all, you know, again, Somebody had a good intention when they wrote a law. They thought they could fix a problem that may or may not exist. And instead, it just costs everybody more money and doesn't accomplish anything. I don't feel any safer from it. And even if I had credit monitoring or, you know, it, does that even actually accomplish anything? I, I have yeah. never heard of anyone getting any benefit from that. That's always a good question. Does yeah. it help? Yeah, Are you paying? Right. Are you... Can you show the benefit there? Yeah. Do we have a metric? No. Um, all right. A couple of other current events. Um, I know you're Australian. So, <laughs> so you may not be following <clears throat> the American news cycle, which has gone crazy recently. But are you? Oh, oh, this is even better. Let's combine AI capability with the <laughs> sensuous sounds. <laughs> I, I gave you an idea for a topic to discuss this week, and you plugged it into ChatGPT, right? You you had three topics, and I had no clue what was happening. Um, and so I'm like, well, I have used ChatGPT recently fairly well, and GPT-4, so the paid one, which can do web searches. Um, and I have used it for terms of service stuff, you know, as we used to do in the past. Would I use that service? Um, I just lump in the link and it gives me a summary of the terms of service and I can question it. And I think we talked about this in the past. Yeah. So I so asked it what happened. this week's topics? Exactly. I asked what happened with 23andMe, for instance, because I... Let's get to that in a minute. Let's let's do this for... Let's do Jack Smith first. What did, okay. what did ChatGPT say about Jack Smith? <laughs> we can't get into that because... Okay. For regarding Jack Smith, for me as an Austrian, I'm like, Smith, this is... This is such a typical name um, which people in movies take when they are imagining a name. So Jack Smith, this sounds uh, like sounds fake. a fake name to me. Yes, yeah. And the worst <laughs> apparently... kind of fake name, you know, yeah. <laughs> like a cliche fake name. Yeah, Exactly. Almost like John Doe, but yes. less less yes. well-known maybe. Um, recent events. So ChatGPT, I'm, I'm reading from what it gave me. Based on a quick search, here is what I found. Recent events concerning Jack Smith, the special counsel had no idea. I know what a special counsel is, though, vaguely. I have an idea. Involved several significant developments. First, delay in the January 6th case verdict. Second, effort to introduce previous election doubts as evidence. And third, security of Trump's PAC finances. Which one of those is the recent one? Uh, the one that I wanted to talk about isn't any of those, except it's tangentially associated with the January 6th case. Okay. 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 So good. Well, interesting, though. I mean, at least ChatGPT is being somewhat uh, informative, kind of, sort of. Yeah, and it um, now gives links as well. So they are to Politico, all three of them. Not sure what it uh, is with that. Politico is a uh, horribly left 
<laughs> I don't know, but uh, Rag, it is, it's terrible. It yeah, is it's... now giving you links as well. Functional links. This I like. Biased and... links. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you can ask it again and it will okay, give you different all right, results. All right. <laughs> I'd be interested to see. <clears throat> so, okay. So here's the thing. It, Jack Smith is the special counsel investigating Trump for several things. And you said, you know what a special counsel is. It's someone assigned by the court when the prosecutor may have a bias, that sort of thing. So Jack Smith is, is in charge of this. And special prosecutors have a wide variety of powers, huge yeah. powers. That is what I know. And um, it's starting to uh, become public knowledge some of the things that he's been doing a lot of what what the prosecutors do is in secret to some extent and that's to protect the suspect as well as the prosecution quite often but some of these things have been revealed one of these is that jack smith as special counsel uh in investigating the january 6th case he's trying to establish whether or not uh former president trump had directive involvement involvement in the January 6th riots. And one of the ways he chose to accomplish this is by uh, subpoenaing, subpoenaing, getting subpoenas for all of um, Trump's tweets for a period following, uh, uh, preceding January 6th to establish Trump's mindset. Was Trump conspiring to create riots? That's that's what he's doing. And, and whether or not you agree with Trump, whether or not you agree with the riots, that is a reasonable use of Smith's subpoena powers. That makes sense. He's trying to establish Trump's mindset. Quick question. Um, a subpoena, isn't that like getting information? It's like a warrant. Yeah, but isn't that, aren't tweets public information anyway? He was he was not only going after the tweets, he was going after his DMs as well. Oh, okay. And and any other information that Trump may have used Twitter for. Anything that Trump liked, that he clicked like on on a tweet, all of that. You know, so some of it may have been public, some of it may have been not. Okay. That's so far. Does that seem reasonable to you? I don't know. It's pretty invasive regarding personal privacy, but I guess if it's such a case and I, I understand. Reasonable. And Trump is a public figure. Exactly. And, and this is a big deal. This is a big case. So absolutely. So I, I find this reasonable. Yeah. And and but, especially if it's handled well afterwards. Like correct. It, that's that's also correct. Important. Correct. Gathering it is bad enough, but take care of it once you have it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also turns out that in addition to that subpoena, he had another one for all Twitter users who liked any of Trump's tweets who retweeted any of Trump's tweets, who quoted any of Trump's tweets, or who did direct messages involving Trump's tweets. For what time period? Like, uh, I think it was three months leading up to January 6th. Leading up? Yeah. Okay, so those there are a bunch of innocent people in there. You think? Maybe? <laughs> I mean, so many... I don't know, like moms who just retweet something or like something. They have no clue. They just like what they see. And all all their private DMs and everything. All. Every user who touched Trump's account. That's very broad. That's and, super broad. And worse than just harvesting information from any American citizen who, for some reason, was interacting with that account. Worse than that, what you're doing in this case is you are investigating the opposition's political support, their base. 
And that is such a counter-democratic step. That is so invasive. That is so draconian. That's tyrannical is what that is. And here's the really funny thing, okay? Twitter, when they first received the subpoena, told Jack Smith to fuck off. I love that. That, to me, is encouraging that somebody understands what overreach is and does believe in supporting its own customers. Whether or not Twitter did it for business reasons or they did it for, you know, the most optimistic uh, democratic ideals, I, I don't really care why they said to fuck off, but they did say to fuck off. Jack Smith got the court to support him and steamrolled Twitter. And actually was able to fine Twitter $375,000 because Twitter was late giving Jack Smith the data that Jack Smith subpoenaed. I, good for Twitter. I, I, I think they deserve a freedom badge for holding out, for trying to resist, for taking a $375,000 hit. <laughs> Um, I also wanted to say, like, because you said earlier regarding the data, like the the cohort, like them investigating um, potentially a different party. If Twitter Twitter could have sold this data at any point, uh, I don't know if it's in their terms of service, but they could have, of course, changed it. The, if you communicate on Twitter, this you should not do the most private stuff in the first place. So this part of it does not get me too far. I, I think I like what you're saying. I, I also agree them defending it but like a company taking the data that they have and maybe selling an aggregate of it or may, uh, who knows you know twitter dms oh, are not oh. internet encrypted oh believe me as as a security consultant i would say never discuss anything private on the internet you idiot <laughs> yes yeah i'm i'm there i'm with you 100% i totally okay. agree but there's a big difference between two billion people making a bunch of private uh, a bunch of public statements and the government sifting through it to find the opposition party members. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, there's, you know, uh, there's one Twitter, thing of, yeah. of Twitter monetizing our activity. There's another, the government investigating us for who we like in politics. Yeah. That's frightening as shit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then another action that was revealed just a couple of days ago. Oh, and by the way, part of that subpoena, part of the court order for Twitter was that Twitter was not allowed to tell anyone that this had happened. A gag they order. Were, they were gagged. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Which is even more terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. If you already know that what you're asking is can be like <laughs> difficult to for people, you know, <laughs> including a gag order just tells everybody you knew this is bad what you're asking. <laughs> and yep. you're forcing them to yep. give you that data. That's horrible. That's it's, horrible. It's, it's, it's like Big Brother. It's like, you know, the worst kind of World War II movies. You know, this is just, this is not pleasant behavior. Uh, it's Stalinism. It's really ugly. Yeah. Then on top of that, um, I don't know. Did Chat GPT? I know you listed three things. Was it the documents? The 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 Trump's hack finances? No. Okay. So no. There's another thing that um, uh, Smith is investigating. It's uh, whether Trump legally had some documents that he took when he left the White House. Was oh, the, he, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the yeah. top secret stuff. 
Correct. There correct. were some nuclear things that were found in. That was alleged. We don't know yet. There's a whole bunch of stuff that hasn't come out. But okay. but Jack Smith is in charge of investigating this or prosecuting this case. Just a couple of days ago, it became um, knowledge that Smith's prosecutorial team had requested from the court to not disclose information they had to Trump's defense team. Now, just a couple episodes back, we talked about how in order to have a free society and to have a, a true and accurate justice system, there has to be fair disclosure from the prosecutor to the defense. The defense, in order to get justice, has to know there's no surprise witnesses. There's no surprise evidence. There's no secrets, right? That's yeah. what Smith was doing. He was withholding data from the defense team. And he made several um, motions to maintain that secrecy. Luckily, we had a judge who uh, sided with truth and justice and said, no, if you're the prosecution, you have to disclose. You don't have a choice here. You got to disclose that information. Um, information is powerful. Information can be very scary when it's weaponized. And in some cases, we have to protect the confidentiality of information. In other cases, we have to protect the availability of information. So these are big deals, and I'm hoping that this trend doesn't continue. I, I'd really, whether or not you like Trump, justice must be served, not politics. Uh, yeah. All right. With that in mind, let's talk about 23andMe. What is... What does chat what does chat GPT say about 23 and me? <laughs> that was actually a little longer and not in as like great coherent. bullet points. Yeah. Okay. No, coherent, it was coherent, but it's not with those great uh, bullet oh, okay. points. Okay. All right. Well then let me ask you this. Did, no, I can Yeah. Uh, just from a summary standpoint, did it give you sufficient information to understand what we wanted to discuss? On the second question, yeah. Uh, the first one just quickly went back to what we, I think, already talked about in a former current event that 23andMe, uh, we talked about the stuffing attack and we talked about that you should have two-factor authentication because then you can reuse your passwords everywhere. You should not, but you could uh, because the second factor actually... And you even recommended using burner email addresses. Yeah. You suggested a one-time email, which I think is a great suggestion. Okay. All right, so so you know that a breach occurred, and we had discussed that earlier. And originally, they had said two hundred thousand accounts were compromised. Now, on the I, second, yeah, ChatGPT said less than that, fourteen thousand. But oh, they said fourteen thousand. Originally, they said fourteen thousand. Okay. Did the second question reveal any more information about? Yeah, this? it did. It did. Yeah, it and did. what did it say? So it, um, how like the the number 14,000 or even 200,000 is a little bit misleading because the data they were gaining, like the, the amount of data they were accessing through those accounts was much bigger. And apparently they uh, were able to scrap through the database of 23andMe. Don't know how they did it. Probably, yeah, with a bot. Uh, but almost half of the data uh, in that family tree thingamajig um, ancestral data because you can see your cousin and yeah. so on. So okay. one account has access to multiple so, information. Yeah, exactly. It, for those of you who aren't familiar, 23andMe is a DNA registry yeah. where in exchange for sharing your DNA with 23andMe, you get, you, first you get your genotype, right? You get your, your DNA fingerprint. Mm -hmm. 
You also, if you elect to do so, you share your DNA with other people who are related to you through your DNA match. And they share their DNA with you so you can see your whole family tree. You can see your distant cousins and relatives. And you can, I think, send a request to contact them. It doesn't reveal your personal, I don't, I don't think it reveals your personal information, but it does give you the opportunity to contact them if you want. And there's certain metadata that it does reveal. It says you've got a cousin in North America or something like that. So what happened was, is when the breach occurred, however it occurred, those attackers were then able to map out of those 14,000 accounts, everybody else who had elected to share, hey, let my relatives know that I'm on this registry. I've heard different estimates, anywhere from 2 million to 6 million different people being revealed through this breach. And there are additional suggestions that it wasn't just 23andMe that got popped. 23andMe has been on an acquisition um, spree in the past few years. They've been buying up ancillary or related technologies, including Ancestry.com and a few other similar kinds of uh, services. And when they did that, all those same password reuse losses were now affecting those accounts too. So even though it wasn't a 23andMe account that got popped, all those other accounts did get popped and got access to 23andMe information. Um, so according to the ChatGPT giving me the link to the blog post from 23andMe is uh like in particular, it, they say on their blog, and I can share the link for the uh, description of the podcast. Um, they say that it's uh, approximately 5.5 million uh, relative profiles. So what we said, and apparently they have different information than the 1.4 million family tree feature profiles. So it, maybe it's different kinds of information. Again, Great. I... I'm not sending my spit to 23andMe. I don't want the the government to have access to my DNA. Uh, Gee, but, Rusty, uh, why not? Regard. They're already reading your <laughs> tweets. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's th this might be why it's two numbers. Um, but they don't go into details, probably because like they want you to use their service, so <laughs> you get to see the difference. <laughs> now, but yeah. See and as much as I admire 23andMe for keeping us updated on their blog, I think at this point we need an independent auditor to go through and tell us what they think have been the disclosures. Um, I, 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 you know, 23andMe has a conflict of interest here. Even if they're saying they're doing full transparency and disclosure, I need more. I need a third party to uh, to at least give me an objective view and. and and see what's to be seen, right? Not that I, I haven't submitted my spit to 23andMe either, and I don't intend to, but uh, it doesn't seem like a great idea right now, does it? No, no. And what did they do uh, in response? They are now requiring everybody, and I think we said that in the last episode as well, but two-factor authentication, of course. So that is not the only, but a very good option because it's so easy with TOTP to set up um, and... Please do so on all your accounts. Uh, excellent, excellent. Um, all right, now the third uh, topic that I wanted to bring up, <clears throat> and I know we're going to this well twice in one episode, but uh, what did ChatGPT say about CTIL? Whistleblower. Um, yeah, it, it, 
I did not know what it is, but apparently I didn't C- know what it is until this week. Okay, so the CTIL is the Cyber Threat Intelligence League. League, okay, League. okay, and there apparently... just sounds like a super villain group. Yeah, from you know DC Comics. It's just you know. <laughs> And apparently they're sort of like an external contractor to CISA. Yep. Do you know what CISA is? No, I had no clue. But the Cybersecurity and Information Security Agency, that's a department. They've changed their name a few times. But the abbreviation has always remained CISA. They are an arm of DHS. Homeland. Yes. Homeland Security. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says here as well. And um, they're apparently also involved with the election integrity uh, partnership thing in 2020. And they have been doing, and what ChatGPT was saying is they have been set up in 2017 and they have been heavily involved in trying to navigate and uh, what they're saying is counter um, external influences on social media uh, regarding fake news, um, uh, which is aiming to um, sway the public's opinion on uh, voting and um, elections. The, okay, that, that's that's CTIL's mission statement, supposedly. Okay. Uh, what the whistleblower has revealed, this group, CTIL, uh, was started by a small core of defense contractors, former defense and intelligence agency retirees. Um, and they did, like like you said, it started in 2017. They were dissatisfied with the results of the 2016 election. So they On their said, own. But <laughs> they're like, we did not like what happened here. So correct. we need to correct. change. Correct. <laughs> That's exactly correct. <laughs> okay. And, and they started in 2017. And by 2018, they had collected a large group of volunteers and partners from various both public and private entities. So both governmental and private organizations had partnerships with them, exchanging information, offering training, sharing tools and methodologies. And they were also heavily recruiting more volunteers, particularly looking for people with a military background in PSYOPs. And uh, for those of you who aren't familiar, This is the military practice of trying to change hearts and minds through uh, not using firepower, but using um, uh, marketing, uh, public affairs, convincing propaganda, subterfuge, and so forth. And, and you know, I've had some very good friends who worked in military psyops, and and, and I respect some of the work that they do, uh, mostly because it doesn't kill people for the most part. Some uh, of the work. It's some of the work. How your face. <laughs> some, some of the work they do is not so grand. Okay. Okay. Um, so by 2018, they had a pretty highly functional effort going. And at that point, they were still working on election, what they considered misinformation and interference. By 2019, they started changing their area of effort to include responding to COVID. And 2020, 2019, 2019, Wait, what? Yeah. Before 20, 2019, right. As things were rolling out and as evidence, November. In China, as evidence in China was starting to percolate up. Okay. And, Interesting. It, and as they segued, they expanded 
their actions to the point where they started creating a bunch of sock puppets. And this is funny because you had just mentioned this a couple episodes ago. They gave out instruction manuals on how to use um, this person does not exist to, to create their facial icons and create their fake backgrounds. And using these armies of automated sock puppets, they tried to influence discussions and shut down conversations that they did not feel were useful in dealing with COVID or what they felt was hostile to the official effort in controlling COVID and the conversation surrounding COVID. And then they continued expanding even further where they were co-opted and now contracted by government agencies to do things that the government agencies themselves could not do for a number of reasons, yeah. including constitutional reasons. <laughs> that I wrote as uh, read as well. Yeah. 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 Um, basically, this is using military grade tools and tactics against the American public. Yeah. And again, I, I'm sure many of these people really were well intentioned. They really did believe, hey, this is a, an existential threat to humanity. We got to control how it's handled. And part of that is controlling the discussion. I, I'm sure they believed that. And regardless of whether they had been right or they had been wrong, it's still not correct to shape the conversation by fraud. <laughs> and by weaponizing the military against the people that the military is supposed to defend. This is probably the most horrifying revelation, and there's been a year and a half of some really bad. This is worse than the Twitter files. This is worse than the Facebook collusion. This is worse than Stanford's participation in government censorship, or even CIS, which used to be part of SANS. This is the big deal. This is uh, so gross, and it's it's not getting as much play as I would have thought or hoped it would in a free society. You think the psyops is working? <laughs> <laughs> I, I nope. think I think that a lot of people who normally have the ear of the public are not using their voice to make them aware of this because I think they believe in the effort itself. They believe in in what the effort was trying to do. And that scares the living shit out of me too. I I just I yeah go ahead. I vaguely understand this, you know like um especially when covid hit in austria um we have public health service um so we all pay almost a third of our income to our health um so if people say in europe health healthcare is free it's not you pay a third of your uh, of what you make um into the healthcare system and so we decided to go for vaccination and austria even made being vaccinated a legal requirement at one point and i understand that um I believe in free freedom, but if you pay a third of your income, your government uh, makes a decision how to protect everybody and you sort of have to follow it. And if I don't want to follow it, I would have to leave Austria and maybe I will. Who knows? Um, I don't like those kinds of ideas, but I think this is what a social state is doing. And so um, if you believe in a social state, if you believe that this is something uh, your government is supposed to do, I, f I understand that controlling the messaging around that, having a good, what's it called again, the Stasi <laughs> from from East Germany, you know, <laughs> that's part of it. I, I understand. I, I think it's a bad thing. I don't want to live in a in a country that's moving into that direction. Absolutely not. 
Uh, so I feel you. I understand where you're coming from, but I under I still understand where where why the ear, what to say the the ear of the public or the people yeah. who can reach it, why they the are voices. sort of like keeping the voices, yeah, why they are keeping shut about this because maybe they are aiming for a more social state as well, and maybe yeah. they want to. That's why socialism is a bad thing. Medical, <laughs> forced medical treatments have never gone well for any part of humanity. That is a horrible idea. Yeah. Um, and you could you could dress it up and say, well, we're protecting the public. You know what? It, it That's not your job. It really isn't the government's job to decide for individuals how to medicate themselves. And if 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 individuals want to make terrible choices, that's up to the individual. And you should be allowed to make a terrible choice. If you want to ride a motorcycle, you know that there's a higher risk that you're going to be flattened. That's that's just the thing. But you should still be allowed to ride a motorcycle. Now, I understand, I think, your perspective, which is if you making a medical choice might impact somebody else, because by me not getting a vaccination, I might be a carrier and I might expose somebody. Else. You know, I can I can almost see you're making it tantamount to firing a gun in a public area. I wasn't aiming at anybody, but I was causing something that might cause harm, right? I, I'd say even with public health, like it is in Austria, um, even if you don't harm somebody else, the, when you go into intensive care, or if you like, if you get really sick, everybody else has to pay for that. Oh, your, okay. So, your medical so by that risk... line of thinking, nobody should be allowed to smoke. Everyone should be forced to do exercise for two minutes a day. Everyone should not Excellent. have any unhealthy no. choice. No soda just... anywhere. No, no McDonald's. I, and I, 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 I agree. No, you don't have. You're preaching to the choir. You know, I understand that, and this is what I try to tell people as well. But yes, this is it. This is basically it, and this is also why some people are arguing in Austria now that people who are smoking are getting less treatment for certain stuff. Um, but yeah. It's it's you know um, who was that um, a great uh, not I don't know if it's if he was great but somebody who's um, into economics says actually a smoker is a net positive because he doesn't live they as long sooner. they yeah. die sooner so even with greater healthcare I don't know what you're talking about I think they should eat as much as they want smoke as much as they want work as much as they can and then die you know <laughs> not my actual opinion but you know it's, I, I, it's I, just I, like. I, <laughs> and yeah, there, there's been a lot of discussion of that in, in countries that do have nationalized health care, because what do you do with people who live too long? You know, they're a drain on it. Canada, yeah. Canada has expanded its mandate for assisted suicide to where assisted su medical assisted suicide is now the fifth leading cause of death in Canada. Because it's in the best mm. interest of the healthcare system to get as many people out of the healthcare system. Yeah, that's because that, yeah. when you pay a third of your income into something, you go to the doctor anytime you feel like because you want to and yeah. you want to get the value out that you put in. You don't even hesitate, I imagine, to go and get medical care, right? No, no, I don't. I don't. No, if you even need as, something, you go and get it. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas if it cost you something personally, if you could withhold your 30%, you might pick and choose what you felt was medically important for yourself. Right, I yeah, absolutely. And me as being like, um, I'm not like self-employed or something because I own a percentage of a company. Um, I actually have to pay a ten percent of the the fee with the doctor with any doctor visit. So for me, it's not the same. 
Uh, but yeah, no, a lot of people in Austria are exactly as you're saying, like go for the, the smallest thing. Um, and in Austria, it's even like as an employer, you have to pay for that time. That's work time. If they go and to the all doctor, that does is exacerbate the costs for yeah. everyone. Exactly. So, and, and we, yeah. And it's not an unlimited resource. So now exactly. you end up with rationing the care, right? Yeah. Yeah. And this is absolutely, absolutely. This is what I'm telling people currently where I'm like on my little horse and telling people, if you don't, if everybody gets everything, like there are important medical surgeries, you have to wait for a year or you have to pay out of pocket. But if the government already takes 30% out of your pocket, how can you afford to pay out of pocket for this? And if they're that important, you know people aren't living for that year while they're waiting for it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But we don't have to get into that. But I understand but, that the but whole you thing. see where we're going. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And so the CTIL, and yeah. what yeah. they are doing, what they're aiming for, I understand because I live in a country where people would like stuff like that as well, because the public in general, I feel like is not as well educated as most people would like. And so they are swayed by such opinions very quickly. And um, yet the weird thing is, yeah, after, after all we've been through, the appeal to authority has been shown to be untrustworthy. Yeah. The experts got this whole response wrong. No matter how smart or well-educated or how much research they tried to fall back on, it was the ignorant people who often made the correct choice for themselves. Wisdom so of the crowd. You, you know, I mean, you, when you try to force what's best for someone else, you're not taking anyone's human rights into consideration. And, and that's... That is a terrifying place to go. It's the well-intentioned folks who have caused the most harm to humanity over time. And we really don't want to do that. We've seen this. We know historically this happens. Let's not do it again. So as CTIL is uh, being exposed, I'm really hoping somebody at some point is going to say, this is bad. And anyone who touched this thing, we have to stop them from having any more influence over the government whatsoever. Or uh, the public it, over the government. I thought they the fact that they're using the government and the government resource to do their activity. Okay. That horrifies me. And, you know, if they want to lobby for what they believe in, if they want to be public advocates and stand for what they believe in more power to them if you can convince people with advertising with marketing go for it but when you're using government resources to try to change people's minds i really hope you end up uh hanging from a flagpole somewhere i i just that i don't like that at all and i'd say it's not just um trying to change their minds it's trick them to change their minds Yes, the tactics. I I hear you. The tactics are what you're appalled by and scared by, and I understand. I I 100 understand. I, the reason why I compared it to the Stasi is because I I truly think that like that's what they did, and this is part why that sort of stuff. Like we decided against this, um, in Europe 20, 30 years ago. 30, you think you you think you did. You hope you did, right? I mean, you you don't know. <laughs> Maybe there haven't been whistleblowers yet. I read somewhere uh, post post uh, Cold War that at one point in East Germany, one out of every three people were working in some capacity for the Stasi. In some, in yeah. some, either as informants or you know, I'm not saying they were all Stasi officers. I'm saying they were all cooperating with Stasi efforts. Sure, that's horrifying. 
Yes. That is absolutely devastating. And um, I don't think, especially young people who've who've been raised in a post-USSR world, I don't think they realize how bad it actually was and how endemic it was to their culture. Yes. Yeah. 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 The, I, I, of course, I'm too young, but I have like friends of mine whose parents grew up um, in East Germany. And it is like being there as well, seeing how they lived changed how I viewed history a bit um, because they actually thought they will never come out, you know, uh, like out of that situation. And well, that's it, it was amazing how quickly it changed. Yes, I mean, that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got to ask you, when you first heard it, because I, I grew up in it, so I was, you know, we had our own propaganda telling us about how horrible it was and what, it, and I'm sure there's a happy medium somewhere of what was actually true and accurate. But um, when you first heard it, did it sound like science fiction to you? Did it seem like, you know, total, like, like a myth? Science fiction so or George Orwell? I don't know. <laughs> well, um, George Orwell was a lot of science fiction, but he was a good prognosticator of what did occur. Um uh, what I mean is like when they told you things like all our telephones were tapped and, you know, people took pictures of us when we went to meetings and did that sound unreal to you? Did that sound like a bad spy movie or something? Not anymore. No, no, no. I but feel at like the time when you first heard it, did it seem uh, almost recall. incredible? Okay. Okay. All right. Can't recall. But at this time now I'm like so much of, I, I like, I consider most of my communication unsafe. And so, and especially like if I visit a home, so many people have Amazon Alexis and I consider like they Bezos or his uh, like successor, they are listening, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, we've gone from uh, being careful about the government listening into us into buying devices and installing them ourselves so that other people can listen to it. Believe me, I know privacy is a facade. I wrote a book about that. <laughs> um, but but at least right now, Bezos and Alphabet and Musk and those entities, so far right now, they don't have uh, armed police right now. They don't have secret prisons. They don't have concentration camps right now. Only the government has that power. So as far as I'm concerned, the trade-off right now, I'll give up the privacy to the commercial enterprises. I'm still afraid of the government so much, you know? Yeah. All right. Um, did you have any other current events that you wanted to bring up or something that chat GPT suggested? <laughs> did not ask, but um, I wanted to say, I, I don't know if I already said that, but um, I started using GPT-4 and I know I'm a little bit late to that, but it's um, it has been a blast. I It's for web searches. If you don't want, if you want to know something quickly, it works fairly well. Double check, double check all the information it gives you. Um, yeah, and other than that, use two-factor authentication <laughs> <laughs> and burner passwords and and burner yeah. emails. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, very good. All right, um, thank you. Any updates on um, safing or on Portmaster? Oh, there have been a couple super cool um, things in the pipeline. We are currently uh, next week, so if you hear this in three to four days. Um, we will push an update where you can import export profiles. And so what we're aiming to do is making it easier to set up a new device and uh, sharing in the community. So we created a new repository on GitHub 
where people can upload their best profiles. So if you have something like um, figured out how to trim down Spotify that you only get the music, but don't send data to Facebook or to Google, I think you can sign in with Google as well. So there is some code from third parties in there that you don't need and require, and you can share this now tailored for your use case with the rest of the community. And we're looking to maybe uh, have a cool way to automatically import those as well. So that in the future, you're like hitting the ground running uh, with a perfect setup in regards to sending out as little data as possible. That's very cool. I, I got to ask, does that become platform agnostic? So if I if I yeah. have installed and custom tailored my Portmaster on my laptop and I want to bring my Portmaster profile over into my tablet, can I do that? Mm, on Android, not yet, uh, or okay. iOS. We're still Linux and Windows only. The other platforms will come, but it is in regards to the plans are to have it platform agnostic and to have it like it already runs on Linux and on Windows. And you can have the same profile. If you run Spotify on one, it works on the other as well. And it automatically syncs as well. You have to tell it once that this is the same. It will suggest it, but you have to confirm that this is the same app, um, Spotify on the one, Spotify on the other. And then it merges it and it applies the settings on both. Awesome. Awesome. Very congratulations, man. It it's really sounds like a great product and that you're doing very good things for the, the yeah. privacy community. Thank you. No, it's it's also cybersecurity now. We have gotten so many new users from the PC security channel did a video on us and it's I think we talked about this already. And so the yep. cybersecurity the PC security uh what came in like rolling. So <laughs> outstanding. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. At some point you've got to buy the sensuous sounds of InfoSec and uh we'll become a <laughs> we'll become a wholly owned subsidiary of Safen. I don't mind working for Australians. I really don't. <laughs> In the down under. <laughs> yeah, as long as as long as I don't have to pay thirty percent of my income to uh, <laughs> my healthcare provider. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. Um, until next time, I'm Ben Maliso, and I'm Rafael Fiedler. Join us again next week for another episode of the Sensuous Sounds of Infosec. Hey there, listener, Matt here. If you like listening to Ben, Robin, Rofty, Joey, or myself, please consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash securitized. Interested in training for CISSP, CCSP, CISM, SSCP, CCSK, boy, that's a lot of letters, or other InfoSec certifications, Go to Ben's website for all his training programs at wannabeacissp.com. That's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-A-C-I-S-S-P.com. We are on Discord. Engage with us by searching for the channel wannabeacissp. Feedback or questions on what we discuss? Send a good old-fashioned email to ben at benmaliso.com. You may hear a shout-out or your feedback on a future show. We're all working professionals in the InfoSec industry, so feel free to link up with us on LinkedIn. Support Rofty's company and test drive their free firewall software called Portmaster, downloadable at their website, safing.io, spelled S-A-F-I-N-G dot I-O. Support Joey's company, Blue Edge Networks, 
at blueedgenetworks.com and listen to Joey's podcast called Topic of Choice at topicofchoice.com. Join us on Reddit at slash r slash ssoi underscore fans. All opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and for entertainment purposes only. They do not necessarily reflect the opinions of our companies, affiliates, employers, guests, or even each other. No advice given here should be followed without consulting with a professional for any specific InfoSec situation you may experience.